Welcome to Podcaster News Show, episode number 32. This is the podcast from the podcasternews.com blog, where we round up some recent podcast-related news items that weren't quite enough on their own for us to cover them on the blog. My name is Sean Thorpe, and I am with... I am Jen Thorpe. And Jen, why don't you go into the first item on our list today? Okay, so the first one we have is an article called Podcasting. Why now? Which is kind of an interesting title. Sure. And um, it's on a uh, it's a website called Media Post. It appears to be in their section called Marketing Entertainment, written by Carrie Hoffman. Mm. And uh, so it's I don't know the website says Media Post. The top of the blog says Marketing Entertainment. You can pick which one you think is more appropriate, I suppose. Um, so she's asking, you know, why now? Podcasting has been around for a long time, and you know, why is there this sort of sudden interest? Which those of us have been doing this for a long time no it's not really all that sudden but yeah. i think i think you have now in people's minds before cereal and after cereal you know <laughs> so i mean i think that's kind of where they're at you know people that never really paid much attention to podcasting till cereal got big you know um so the the question is what's happened that made people so interested in podcasting right now and i'm not going to read the entire blog but one of the things that i thought was interesting was that they're easy to binge we talked yeah. before on mm-hmm. a previous episode about binge listening to podcast episodes, yeah. which I thought was a little weird at the time, but now I think I kind of get it. And, you know, so there's, you know, people listen to, to Netflix and they'll or listen to Netflix. Yeah, that's it. They watch Netflix. They'll watch a whole entire season of a show or maybe all the seasons of a show in a small span of time and consume no other shows until they're done with that one. And then they'll move on to the next, which is, you know, they're doing that with podcasts now. Yeah. You know, they're doing that. Um, And, you know, YouTube, you find something you like and you watch all their videos. It's the way people are consuming media now. And podcasts just happen to be able to fit into that binge listening or binge, you know, consuming thing, which is interesting. You know, it kind of works from there. Um, Another thing I thought was interesting is that podcasts get engaged audiences in a different way than other media does. Right. You know, because like if you have a favorite TV show you've been binge watching on Netflix, um, you might be able to find one of the actors or actresses or the director on, you know, social media. You might be able to follow them. You're probably not going to get followed back. It's unlikely that a friendship will happen between you and this famous person. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like podcasters, I think even famous podcasters, ones that have been around for a really long time, um, they end up with really engaged audiences. And I think the reason is because most podcasters that are using social media will answer you, you know, True. they will follow you back. They will, you know, respond to your questions. Um, they may respond to your questions on their show. So, right. you know, you, I mean, how many podcasts have we listened to that have said something to, along the lines of, Oh, here's a comment or a tweet or a question from our listener. So-and-so here's what they said. Here's what we think. And then opened it to, to kind of have other people comment as well and bring that maybe to the next show. You know, it becomes more of like interactive, I think, in a way that, you know, Netflix cannot be. Yeah. You know, so I think that's part of what's making it, you know, why now kind of thing. And she's got a couple other uh, pieces of information on there that are valid too, but I thought those two were pretty key. Well, the only real observation I'm going to toss out is I know that Carrie Hoffman is one of the co-founders of this new media production podcasting 
distribution thing called Radio Public. Okay. So I'm not surprised that we're seeing something that's kind of pro podcasting from her, you know, on a on a, a separate media outlet. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's they're they're in, they're probably in a mode right now where they're trying to get as much PR as possible. And this explains why part of the blog post uh, or article is talking about uh, technical and monetization barriers are dissolving. Yes. Which seemed kind of a strange thing to me to put in at first. If you were just some person analyzing, I didn't realize who she was. So if I would have skimmed this and not really looked at the writer and I didn't, you know, immediately recognize who she was, I would think, Oh, that's a little weird that they're talking about that, but okay. You know, (laughs) Yeah, because I kind of feel like um, the other ones are more about engaging listeners. Yeah, and this one is more about monetization. Now I understand why. Uh huh. Now I get it. Okay. So the next item on our list, the title is "Podcasts Experiment with Paid Subscriptions." This is by Stephen Perlberg for Wall Street Journal, and the gist of the article is really focusing on Acast which is a Sweden-based podcast hosting company. And they're going to be rolling out some services to offer paid subscriptions for different podcasts. And I guess this kind of thing isn't a surprise. I'll also say that it isn't necessarily anything new. I think there are a lot of podcasters that have made use of some kind of paid content whether or not it's an actual podcast subscription or just stuff that you log into from behind a paywall for a long time, usually that can be a good way for podcasts with engaged audiences. I guess that's going to be the key term for today's show because it's going to come up again later. (laughs) It's a good way for them to bring in some money and the way that they're kind of approaching it in this article is in uh, one of the one of the quotes here. Uh, this is the final step of podcasting in my mind. You can monetize through ads and you can monetize through payment, said Mans Ulvestam, the co-founder and CEO of Acast. And the message really that they're trying to send here is right now there isn't really any way to kind of pay for podcasts. This is something that actually came up in one of the articles we talked about on the last show where, you know, Apple allegedly met with these highfalutin podcasters and they were complaining that they don't have any way to quote unquote sell podcasts through iTunes. And one of the other examples this article mentions in here is the Howl app from Midroll. And that's a, another, you know, premium based service. And I. I'm wondering the most with this service from Acast if this is going to be a scenario where you pay Acast for your subscription fee and then they give you the necessary information, the RSS feed and the authentication to then go and subscribe to that podcast anywhere you want or if really the only way to get it is to have Acast's special app. And this article doesn't really get into that kind of stuff. But to me, when you're talking about a podcast 
a, a premium podcast, that is what I'm describing. That's an RSS feed. You can subscribe to it in any app you want. And most modern podcast apps will have functionality in there for authenticating your subscriptions. Uh, iTunes will do it. The iOS podcast app will do it. Downcast will do it. I'm sure any podcast app out there that's worth its salt can do this kind of thing because to me, when we're talking about, well, you pay a premium subscription to get access to this content through one singular outlet, eh, I don't really call that podcasting. I just call it premium content behind a paywall. You know, it may have all the functionality of podcasts where you can download individual episodes, et cetera, et cetera. But I just feel like if you don't get that kind of portability where you can at least take the feed where you want, then eh, you're just letting me sell stuff through an app, which there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But I just get, I guess because I'm old, I, I get kind of bogged down in this kind of terminology. And it's possible that Acast is that way. Again, the article doesn't state. So, you know, that's really about all I had to say with regards to this one. Okay. Yeah, I think, I don't know that I have anything to add really specifically. Um, it does say in here that, you know, through ACAST, creators can charge for a monthly show pass that gives listeners access to additional content for a recommended $2.99 to $6.99 a month. But it doesn't really say, like, you were asking, you know, do they have to go through ACAST? Is that what that right. means? You know, I'm sure there's an answer out there somewhere if we started looking up ACAST. But we were looking at the Wall Street Journal article at the time, so it didn't really yeah. specify. I don't know. It's I think the interesting concept from this piece is kind of in a more vague way. It's talking about finding ways to monetize podcasting, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, I mean, it's an option. Someone can look up ACAST and figure out if they want it. And obviously this is going to be a revenue share situation where Acast will share a certain amount of the revenue with the, the show producers. That's no surprise. But I will say this. If you are hearing this and you're thinking, oh, man, I've been dying to create my own thing, my own you know, premium podcast thing. I'll just go ahead and use this. And I didn't quite catch anywhere in this article if it said what the breakdown is as far as the revenue share. No, I didn't see that either. I will tell you this. If you're willing to put in a little bit of time, you can build these kind of things on your own, and you don't have to worry about revenue sharing. It it might be more trouble than it's worth, depending on how technically inclined you are, but uh, it just depends, I guess. So what's the next thing on the list, Okay, well, we skipped over one, um, or maybe I'm just looking at it wrong, and it's about, it says Comscore. Oh, we did. My Comscore says, okay, the article's titled, Comscore says people prefer ads in podcasts over any other digital medium. Report says one in three plan to listen more this year. This is written by Marty Swant on Adweek, which we've, I think, read things from before. And it's and we kind will of, again before the end of this episode. Yes, we will. So they're a good source for us, you know, um, especially when they're talking about podcasting. But, you know, I thought this was interesting. I think the title kind of says it, you know, most, you know, most of the uh, key point there. Yeah. People prefer the ads in podcasts over other digital media. Well, why is this so? Well, let's see. Um, I personally am a big fan of ad blockers, you know. And uh, I like them for a number of reasons on my web browser. 
Uh, I don't think you have one for podcast ads at this point. Not yet. Um, <laughs> I'm sure somebody's considering it, but it's not here but yet. See, here's the difference, right? If if I say, okay, I know I'm going to have to deal with ads. Where would I prefer them to be? It's not going to be on somebody's website because we've seen situations where even you know they used to say, well, don't go to questionable websites that you don't know and you won't get any malware or anything like that or viruses, you know. But it wasn't that long ago that people had a situation where some of the big well-known websites that had ads on their website someone not on not through the fault of the actual websites that were hosting the ads but someone behind the scenes i guess with the ads connected malware to it and viruses and and even ransomware in some cases so you know if you had an ad blocker you wouldn't have been affected but if you didn't have an ad blocker you were thinking you were going to safe sites you know Websites that are well-known, newspaper sites that are well-known, it should be safe, no problem, and it was a problem. So I think in today's world, like, if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to have to deal with some ads, you don't want them on the websites. You know what I mean? You don't want them from that. So there's a lot of, um, I'm noticing there are, now that I'm using an ad blocker, and I have been for a while, there are some websites that get kind of snarky about it, you know? Right. They try to guilt you into not using the ad blocker. Um, what they could do instead maybe is buy an ad on a podcast because I can listen to a podcast with an ad in it and it's not going to put any you know virus or malware or ransomware onto my computer, you know? Yeah, and I think the real point of this is simply to say that when you have a host-read ad on a podcast, people will stick with it because unlike, say, radio where radio tends to run all of its ads in stop sets where, you know, we'll be back right after this. And then, you know, it's, it's three minutes of ads that nobody wants. And if you're driving, which, you know, is where most people listen to radio, what do you do? You start hitting your presets. You go to another mm-hmm. station until you find something there you want to listen to. And then right. when their ads come on, you flip back to the other one. Unless they're playing ads, then you just keep scanning. Right. But- and the problem with those ads, too, is it's usually louder than what you were listening to. Yeah, they come across louder, so it's very jarring, and uh, you know people don't want that. So it's just another example of why the kind of organic advertising, or at least uh, you know host-read ads, where you're not just breaking away from your main show mm-hmm. and just dropping ads in, is uh, still more effective. And And the other thing it kind of touched on in here, if I'm understanding correctly, is in some cases, podcasters that are saying, hey, here's an ad for, you know, whatever, it's a product they've actually used. It's a company they like. It's a company that they support. It's a company that they've purchased products from in the past, whatever those products may be. And, um, you know, they, they really, you know, do recommend it for the most part. You know, and that's the difference, I think, between, you know, say, listening to the radio in your example and having these random ads just pop up, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. One thing I I do want to say about this that I think is worth putting out there is there is a push amongst certain platforms or, or networks to move more towards what they call the programmatic style of ad advertising where an ad buyer can just log into a website. I mean, this is what they do in radio. Mm-hmm. You just log into a website and you're able to buy, you know, ads on this show, this show, this show for this length at this time. And then you supply your own audio file for the ad. And then the system 
that's delivering the the files just stitches the ad in where it needs to go in the show and this kind of article that we're talking about here kind of says why that style of advertising is not the best right and hopefully this will make it to the eyeballs of some of the people that are all gung-ho about, we need to get to programmatic ads and podcasting. Right, because that just defeats everything we just said from the other article exactly. about, you know, about, um, you know, paid subscriptions we were just talking about. But before that, um, you know, engaged audiences, you know? Yeah, Like, if, exactly. you, if you and I had a product that we were mentioning on this show specifically, we wouldn't have any reason to do that unless we really liked the product. You know, if we want to talk about the microphone we were using or whatever, you know, um, where we were hosting it, anything, you know, it would be something relevant. I mean, we would pick something relevant to the show and something we actually used and liked. So, you know, it makes more sense to our listeners and it might be something the listeners want to do because they would trust our judgment if they've been listening to us for a while and like us. That's totally different than kind of like cutting in and having some random ad placed in the middle of your show. Right. Totally different in terms of like credibility, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the next thing on our sheet for this week is an article called NPR expects to more than double its podcast revenues this year by Lauren Johnson again for ad week. And uh, what do you know? Uh, the first line of this article, thanks to monster hits like cereal in this American life. Yeah. You can't get away from cereal, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, I don't really think there's a whole lot more to say about this. I think the title says everything you need to know. Um, well, I think and, a little bit in here it's talking about PodTrack. Yeah. Which I think, have we mentioned on the show before? Or maybe Possibly. we've written about it. Maybe we've written about it for the blog. Yeah. But, um, yeah, PodTrack has uh, created a listing of uh, top 10 podcast publishers. Yeah. And it's, you know, NPR is number one on shocking. that list, you know? Yeah, shocking. Uh, yeah, top 10 podcast publishers in the pod track podcast industry ranking. That's what it's oh, called. It's actually on here. It's actually sitting in the blog here. All right, um, I want to run this down real quick. Okay. Just, just Here's your top 10, and NPR's at the top, which could be why yeah, two, they're saying they're going to up their ads. Or Two whatever. is This American Life, comma, Serial. Uh, three, WNYC. Four... How Stuff Works, 5, CBS, that would be their Play It Network. Uh, 6 is Twit, 7, The Moth, 8, Roman Mars, 9, WBUR. Not sure I know what that is. And finally, 10 is Nerdist Industries. Right. So if you look at that, I think the implication, if you put all this together, is now that NPR has been listed as the top-ranking one for U.S. audiences in April of 2016 – according to that screenshot right there. Um, I think the implication is, well, now we have PodTrack saying, look, this is the best. They have the most listeners. So now they can, you know, double their podcast revenue this year because they can charge more for ad space, sure. you know, or Makes ad time. Sense. I think that might be the implication. Now, I haven't read every, you know, I haven't picked through every little word in this article, but this is my overall view of what I think the key point might be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like we need to say any more well, about this. I think this. that pretty can, much covers it, you know? Yeah. It's kind of interesting. So what's the last one on our, our list this week, Okay, Jen? this is a good one now that summer is starting. This is from the Power Press podcast. It's written from the Blueberry team. And the title is, Six Ways to Take a Break from Podcasting Without Losing Your Audience. 
Yeah. Which is a good thing to know. I've mm-hmm. been in situations where we've taken a break and lost some audience in various endeavors of podcasting that I've done. So there's uh, some really good advice in here, and I'll just pick out a couple of them. Um, I think one of the important ones is, you know, it says, consider your podcast's age and following. So if you've been doing the, your show for years and years and years, you've got a ton of listeners, they're really dedicated, they you know send you comments and all that other stuff, um, and you've got a very engaged audience, which I think is going to have to be the show title. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, you can, if you have that, you can get away, maybe get away with occasional breaks, you know? Mm-hmm. because you've already established, you know, the quality of what you're doing. I'm extrapolating from this concept here. Um, you know, you've uh, you've got listeners that are devoted. They know you're coming back for one thing, you know, and especially, you know, that kind of thing. They're all, they want more of what you're doing. If you let them know, hey, I'm going on a break. There's not going to be a show this week, but there'll be one next week or whatever. They're probably going to stick around for you because they already really like you and they've spent a long time listening to you. But if your show is like brand new, and you do like 10 episodes and then you say, well, we're going to take a break. You may lose entirely all of your listeners whenever you come back. Yeah. Because you don't have an audience that is devoted to you yet. Yeah. So that's kind of an important thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. And then the other one um, in there that I'm going to pull out from this blog is give your listeners plenty of advance notice. You know, so you say, hey, you know, two weeks from now, we're going to go on a break and we'll be gone for, you know, this particular week. There won't be a show this particular week. And then I'm coming back on this particular week. You know, let them know a few shows ahead of time. uh, Remind them right before you go. And then, you know, keep in touch with your listeners through your social media, because I think every podcast has a social media account somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, let them know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm on vacation. Here's a screenshot of the, you know, here's a screenshot. Here's a photo of the beach. Here we are. We'll be coming back again. Reminder on this date, you know, that kind of thing so that they know you haven't just disappeared. It kind of keeps them in, you know, it keeps you in their minds a little bit, you know. Yeah. And um, that could help, you know, them go, okay, well, I really want to listen to something. Oh, this person doesn't have a show. Well, they'll be back in a week. I'll pick something else for now and then I'll come back to them and they will come back. You know, yeah, it's a big difference when you suddenly stop doing shows and your listeners start questioning, well, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. that's not a good situation. So um, I think this post here from the uh, podcast pressed podcast blog. That would is be power press. Power Thank press. You. Sorry. <laughs> I try. Yeah. Um, and there, there are more yeah. tips here and we encourage you to, to check it out to check on your out. own. I just yeah. pulled a couple little things, you know, but it's really good information. They usually have really good information. We've uh, read stuff from them before. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good stuff. Um, to consider and especially I thought this one was really good because it's talking about taking a break and we're here just starting summer you know and that's when a lot of people take breaks from everything they're doing so yeah there we are all right well I think that's uh, everything for this week's show Jen did you have anything else you wanted to add no I think we've covered it all okay well thank you so much for listening you can find the podcast at podcasternews.com And, of course, in between these podcast episodes, we are updating the blog as uh, often as we can with uh, interesting things from around the podcasting world. And you can uh, find me on Twitter at Shawno, S-H-A-W-N-O. Jen? 
I'm on Twitter at Queen of Haiku. I'll put together like one word. And it is a private account, so you have to request a follow. And if I can figure out who you are and that you're listening to the show, um, you know, if I, if I look and see you follow Shano, then I'll probably go, oh, okay, that's probably why you're listening to me. And I'll, of course, you know, accept. But I, I find um, that I prefer to have a private account, so it's going to stay that way. Okay. Well, that'll be it then uh, for this time. And with any luck, we'll be back with you in a couple weeks. Bye, people.